Welcome to All Turns and No Breaks with Pam and Renee. This isn't an ordinary show. This is NASCAR Talk for fans by fans. Hey, NASCAR fans, welcome back to another episode of All Turns No Breaks with Tam and Renee. I am Renee and she is Tam. Renee, Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year. My voice is all like high pitch. (laughs) Renee, Happy New Year. I know. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to everybody. Yes. And we have Front Row Kenny on the podcast. Kenny, Happy New Year. Hey, hey, what's good, Tam, and what's good, Renee? Happy New Year to every single one of y'all. I hope y'all had a wonderful New Year. May 2019 be your ball out year. Yes, Do sir. what you want to do. Yes, you know. Indeed. I like yes. that, ball out year. Exactly. Or maybe you should say ride out year. <laughs> or is that too corny? <laughs> oh, maybe it's corny. Yeah, maybe either or. <laughs> ah, forget you, Renee. This is not a normal episode of All Turns No Breaks. This is a special episode. We are still on vacation. We are doing like the NASCAR drivers and those folks that work for NASCAR. And we're still chilling until the Daytona 500. I guess technically nobody's actually chilling until the Daytona 500. But we will be (laughs) for the next couple of weeks. If we come back, because wait, we still haven't decided. If you guys recall from our last episode, we weren't sure if we were coming back, but I think we're coming back. Hopefully we're coming back. Renee, are we coming back? I'll come back and I'll be here. I'll be ready. Kenny, should we come back? Both of y'all better be back. What are you talking about? (laughs) All y'all better be back. Man, been listening to y'all for two years. Y'all better come back in 2019 for another season of All Turns No Break. Well, there you go. Come on. The verdict is still out if we're coming back, but- What this episode will be is a look back at our 2018 season. With the help of our boy and your friend, Front Row Kenny, we gathered some of the best snippets of probably about 15 or so podcasts, and we pieced them together for your listening pleasure. Hopefully you guys enjoy 2018. Hopefully we're back in 2019. Hopefully you're listening if we come back in 2019. So sit back, listen, and enjoy some of the best of the best of our 2018 season of NASCAR Talk for fans by fans. I like that. I'm actually recording this show right now from my hotel in Daytona, just as a side note. I took a trip. I went throughout Southeast Asia. I was in Singapore, Malaysia, Hmm. Bangkok, where else? PV Islands. I was pretty much getting my travel on. And then I came back to the United States, home to Los Angeles, stayed home for what, five days and then jumped on a plane and came to Daytona. Oh, and you know what? One thing I want to say, speaking of Bangkok, why was our friend Renee hanging out with Mr. Chow from (laughs) The Hangover? That's right. Literally, while I was in Bangkok, he was hanging out with Mr. Chow. You guys can catch that video. It's posted on our Twitter account. Oh, and you know what? Let's get some housekeeping out the way right now. Yes. Make sure to follow us on Instagram, as well as Twitter and Facebook. You can find us by searching Turns No Breaks or All Turns No Breaks. Our handles, our usernames, however you want to say it, Mm -hmm. are Turns No Breaks. 
Renee, you ready to talk some NASCAR? I'm ready to do it. Let's talk. I feel like it's been forever. I know. Renee, how you doing? I know. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it seems like really like yesterday, like we were just praising how Martin Truex had a wonderful season. I mean, it's really, really crazy. I mean, it seems long. I mean, it, it has been, but it, it hasn't. I don't know. Maybe because me and you, because of what we do, it really seems like it was just yesterday. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it, it seems long, but it seems like yesterday. I'm, I'm just a little confused. Okay, so let's kind of jump into, I don't know, this won't be a typical show because this is really just a pre-show to Daytona. Like starting next week, we're going all the way in. So I guess we should just kind of talk about what's been going on. Yeah. Let's see, Alex Bowman is in the number 88. Yep. No Dell Jr. Nope. Danica's last ride. No Matt Kinsett. Bubba Wallace and William Byron are in cup cars for the first time. Oh my God, it's a lot to talk about. Well, I tell you, Tim, I personally didn't see that end coming at whatsoever. I know I picked Kyle Bush to win that. that I picked race. Kyle Bush as well. Right. And uh, I, I think we both agreed that we thought a veteran driver, it, it, whether it was Kyle Bush or not, I knew a veteran driver was probably going to win that race. But you know what? The younger drivers proved us wrong in, in a big way. And, Did uh, they? In a wow. big way. Yeah. Before we go any further, I guess let's give you the top 10 from Daytona. If you did not know or if you missed the race, but we know you're a NASCAR fan, so you didn't miss the race. But just in case you did or you need a refresher, let me break it down for you. Austin Dillon drove the number three back into victory lane on the 20th anniversary of Dale Earnhardt Sr.'s win at the Daytona 500. Daryl Bubba Wallace Jr., he only came in second place. <laughs> only second place. The first African-American driver to drive in the Daytona 500 since I believe it was 1969. It's, that is it's correct. It's been a long time. And he was the highest finishing rookie yes. in the Daytona 500. Denny Hamlin, there go our veterans. Denny yep. Hamlin came in third. Joey Logano, fourth. Chris Buescher, fifth. Paul Menard, sixth. Ryan Blaney, seventh. Ryan Newman. Hey, Ryan. I feel like we're going to be talking about Ryan this yes. season. I, I hope we do. Mm-hmm. Ryan came in eighth. Michael McDowell. That's not a name that I think we've ever said on this show unless we were reading something off. Very he true. came in ninth. And AJ Armadinger came in 10th place. Going back to the top 10 that you, you mentioned, I mean, just a few minutes ago, a lot of youngsters in that, in that top 10, but you know, a, a good handful of the uh, veterans are, are, are in there as well. So, you know, let's, let's see how this whole year plays out. But, uh, this really kind of started out the season on a, on a crazy note. Interesting note. Yes. Let's use the word interesting. And the last driver I want to mention is Danica Patrick. I feel like this will be the last time ever we talk about Danica on this show. Well, I guess we do need to talk about her GoDaddy situation a little later. But as of now, I don't think we're going to be talking about Danica. (laughs) And if we sound excited about that, let's see. What do we always say on this show? Right. We're not Danica haters. We're just not Danica Patrick fans. That's all we're saying. Yeah. So, And just real quick, I will say this because I tweeted it out and um, I went, I I just kind of looked at everything and I just put it all into my head in a quick second and I tweeted it out 
And all I said was, New Year, new boyfriend, but same old Danica Patrick. And I missed that just, tweet, but yeah. it's so true because... It is, Tam, it, it is. It is so true. <laughs> well, Danica finished 35th. I always say the old folks say. So mm-hmm. as the old folks say, I kind of want to co-sign on what you just said, but I also want to mm-hmm. add something else and ask you a question. Okay. We're talking about emotions and personality. Do you feel Eric Amarola has the personality to be in the number 10 that obviously he's replacing Danica Patrick, right. but he's on a team full of personalities. You have Kevin Harvick, you have Kurt Busch, and you have Clint Boyer, who all race for Stuart Haas. And then you have mm-hmm. Eric Amarola. I don't know. Does the personalities match? I mean, at some point it is about what you can do on the track. But I always look at personalities because like we just said, NASCAR is about personality as well as driving. Mm -hmm. Eric's personality. Well, his does stand out because it's not like the others. However, I think if he continues to race and be competitive like he was this past weekend, I think you'll see this personality come out because I liked okay. his emotion after the race. The way he was emotional and just saying that, God, I was he's so distraught and he could taste it. He could see the finish line and it didn't happen. And I think that emotion brings out that personality that he probably doesn't even know that is there. And that is what I like about it. Okay. And that's what I see is happening. Here's here. a question for you. Well, that situation bring out the emotion that I need to race hard and I need to take a page from Tony Stewart and yes. go out and wreck some folks. You know what? And, and you know, we, let me just preference it by <laughs> saying this. Renee alluded that I'm feisty. <laughs> I like Eric Amarola, but I also appreciate people who go out and take back what's theirs. Right. You know, I mean, if, if, so do, if, is he going to retaliate? Probably well, not. Probably right? not. <laughs> Tiffany, user Tiffany S. Handel, H-A-N-D-E-L-L. She chimed in and said, I honestly see Amarola getting a win real soon. He's shown the talent that he has and how much fire is inside of him to get a win this season. I don't know if I would agree with him showing the fire. I wouldn't say fire. Because see, fire to me is when Austin Dillon. Yes. <laughs> yeah. When Austin tapped him, he would have got out. Yeah. And he would have did like his owner, right. Tony Stewart, would have did. Exactly. Although he said, Tony told him pretty much paraphrasing to take a deep breath before he talked to the media. Right, right, right. I don't know. Yeah. I, I And you're right. I don't know if I would say fire, but I think he has shown some really good competitive juices that go that's something that I haven't seen from Eric Amarola in and in, in quite some time and he definitely is driving a little bit different at the, the first two races of the season so uh, I can almost agree that I could see him winning a race really soon and I'm about to paraphrase this because I forgot the exact words but DW as in Dale Waltrip live on the air. <laughs> had made some comment about Ryan Blaney having his voice reminded him of a dial tone or something. <laughs> it, I like Daryl Waltrip, but I didn't understand that comment. 
And although the comment was on Sunday, it continued and spilled over to Monday because NASCARism, he chimed in and then Bubba chimed in and was like, it was the funniest, funniest insult ever. And then he said, that's messed up, but damn, I'm cracking up, <laughs> you know, and, and nobody understood what he was saying. Like, okay, so you don't like him or yeah, you do what, like what, him? What exactly did that mean? <laughs> yeah. So DW chimed in and tried to explain himself and said, when I hear Ryan Blaney speak, he has a monotone voice. I love it. It's who he is. And I forgot that cell phones don't have doubt. <laughs> It was supposed to be funny. <laughs> Wait, do cell phones not have deltos? No. You Did don't. I just tell my age? No, I mean, it's just something you don't think about. Well, you know what? For a split second, I went, well, no, they don't. Because, you know, normally you you uh, you, you turn on the phone with your finger or whatever, your, your code. or mo- Most cell phones now, are, they have codes. You turn it on. And then you start dialing the number. Okay. And then you, you hit call and it and it starts ringing. There is no, no dial tone. No, it does have a dial tone. No, it does not. Let me tell you when you get a dial tone. When you're on the three-way and the other person hangs up, it goes... Dun, dun, oh, dun, dun, dun. okay. I'm reaching. I don't, well, I don't, have, I don't have a three-way. So. Everybody has three-way. Oh, really? Man. How you, when you on... Oh, well, not three-way. Call waiting. <laughs> oh, have a call waiting. Yeah. Do oh, they even use goes, the term call it, waiting? It, well, mine, mine doesn't <laughs> go... Da, 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 mine just goes... It, it does a beep, and then I'm making sound effects. Like I, <laughs> Clearly, I don't know what I'm talking about. And I'm always... Well, you know what? I don't talk on the phone as much as you would think. Well, if anybody out there has a cell phone that has a dial tone, please call us and let us hear it. I'd love to hear that. Okay, so moving on to <laughs> Las Vegas. Vegas! I do appreciate the camaraderie among NASCAR drivers, yeah. but I also know that you guys are aware that Kurt Busch accidentally put Chase Elliott in the wall. And I rushed over. I saw Jamie Little rushing over to the medical center. And, you know, when you're on a NASCAR track and you're actually covering news, you kind of follow where Jamie goes or where Hermie goes. Or, you know, you see yep. things happen. These are other NASCAR analysts and the specialists. Not that I'm not a specialist. You know, I'm a specialist. Right. And if you guys can't see me, but I'm popping my collar. I'm a specialist <laughs> in my own right. But, you know, you kind of follow their lead. Yeah. Because I do. haven't been doing it as long as they have. You kind of watch. I saw them rushing. So I said, well, let me go over to the medical center and see what Chase Elliott and Kurt Busch have to say. And ironically, Kurt was just way nice. Like, I like Kurt's new attitude. But at some point, I need him to get back to the old Kurt. And be more like his younger brother. brother. Yeah. Because, and this is why, like, low-key, this is why I love Tony Stewart. This is why I actually love Kevin Harvick. Because Kevin will bring it to you. Yeah. Jimmy, because we got to talk about Jimmy. Jimmy's the lover, not the fighter. Right. I will never forget that time where Kevin Harvick and his wife, Delaney, rolled up on Jimmy Johnson at his trailer and jumped out of the SUV. And Kevin was What's up? And Jimmy yeah. was like, let's talk. I am not a talker other yeah. than on the podcast. Right, exactly. <laughs> you know, I'm not an advocate for fighting, but sometimes it's just nothing to talk about. Right, exactly. You well, uh, and speaking of Jimmy real quick, we'll just get this out of the way. He didn't wreck. Thankfully, he didn't wreck. He didn't finish the race without drama because well, well, uh, yeah. he did still have some drama. He just didn't wreck. I'll let Renee explain. You guys already know because we talked about it a little bit. 
For the most part, we all know his crew chief was out of there for the race. Oh, my goodness. You know what? This is such a headache. I don't understand pre-race, post-race, pre-race to post-race to post-race to pre-race. There's so many inspections of things going on. And actually, I, I believe it was the number 15 as well. Also got, not suspended, but they got... Um, the crew chiefs uh, the, Yeah, were the crew chiefs were... Ejected. Ejected. You know, that word ejected just sounds so like... So it sounds NBA. Weird. Yeah, exactly, right? You're ejected. <laughs> Get out of here. But you know what I was wondering? When they're ejected, do they have to leave the track? Oh, that's, yeah, that's a good point. I don't know. Because it sounds so official. You're ejected. Like, obviously, we know they just can't be in the pit box. Right. But when you're ejected, do you leave? Like, do you have to leave? Do you the- leave the speedway? Yeah, exactly. Because, because we already know in NASCAR, there's always a radio, some way to communicate. Exactly, right? You know, that's a good you're, point. You're still in range if you got a radio but, somehow, but some way. As a regular NASCAR fan, you have to think to yourself, why is there so many pre-inspections, post-inspections, pre-inspections, post-inspections? Because it just seems like it's uh, frustrating for a typical fan. It's frustrating for guys and people like us who are, do these podcasts, are you know behind the scenes and do media. I can't imagine for the average fan how frustrating that is of like what is it that we have to look for so specifically and i mean i get it tam but it's because just if like you're not cheating in nascar you ain't trying that's why that, okay, but that's i mean you guys point. already know how i feel about inspections we've covered this the last two years it's, it's a lot going on even and look at how after the race they're lined up going through inspection again but you just never know i mean case in point kevin harvick's window that's you a know, great, great nobody point. knows. Good segue there too, because nobody knows how it happened because he didn't start the race like that. But how did his window end up being the way it was? It's the million dollar question. I mean, yeah. so much so, your boy Dale Jr. weighed in on it. Let's just go right into our fan comment of the week. Again, it was taken from the Twitter chat. Many of you had a lot to say, so it just kind of flowed. I mean, the Twitter chat ended up being about an hour and a half this last time out. But we're only going to take one question. And that question posted by us was very simple and very random. Kyle Busch or Denny Hamlin, who do you want on your team? Why or why not? Hashtag NASCAR talk. Renee, who you want on your team? If your team owner... You going with Kyle Busch or Denny Hamlin? Right off the bat, I'm going with Kyle Busch. Like, I didn't even have to think about that. I love Denny Hamlin. I think Denny Hamlin is a great driver. Obviously, he's got some wins underneath his belt. He's a veteran driver who knows what he's doing out there. He's not a dirty driver. And regardless of of the circumstances of things that he's gone through in, in his career with other drivers, I respect Denny Hamlin a lot. But something about Kyle Busch, I like that fire. I like that personality. And those are the guys that I feed off of. And those are the guys that I love working with. Guys who just, like Kevin Harvick, who find motivation somewhere. Something that they can find to motivate them to try to win. I would definitely go with Kyle Busch. That's the guy that I want in the car. Ironically, I'm going to read all some of the comments, but nobody picked Denny Hamlin. Maybe one person. Ryan Goodrum, and we always read a comment from Ryan. Ryan, thank you so much for supporting us. Ryan, user is Ryan underscore Goodrum. He says, Denny and I have a lot in common. Neither one of us has won a NASCAR championship. I thought that was actually quite funny. (laughs) 
Nice jab. Yeah, I can't believe I just snorted. <laughs> that made me laugh. <laughs> it was funny because because I knew something. I knew something so sarcastic was coming. I just yeah. didn't think that that was it. So he says, <laughs> and then he actually tags Kyle Bush, which is kind of crazy. Because I don't think when you say something bad about a driver, you should actually tag them in the tweet just yeah. in case they read. You know, is it Jimmy Fallon who does the mean tweets? Um, yeah, I believe so. I think it is. Yeah. I thought that was it was oh. funny. I won't say it was mean because it, it yeah. was mean, I guess, but it was funny. So he also goes on to write Kyle Bush has much attention that he has gotten over the years, good or bad. He has backed it up, has won. And he put one W-O-N in all caps. Has won championships in all three series. Plus NASCAR has made up rules to limit his running in other series. So he followed his mean tweet up with a tweet of encouragement. Because it is true. Kyle Busch has won in all three series. And he's a champ. And all he does is win. Mm -hmm. So, hey, I'm going to pick Kyle Busch as well. I do want to talk about Kyle Busch because he's been a hot, hot topic thanks to his, I don't even want to call it a Twitter rant because in all honesty, the fans came for him on Twitter and he went for the throat. Yeah, they but they came at him hard too, you know? Yeah, and I don't think as Larson alluded to, there were beers involved. I think he just got <laughs> tired of all the rhetoric and all the... Some of the things people say on Twitter are just not nice. We were watching a video before we started the podcast, Tam, and, and uh, there was a little roundtable of uh, old veteran drivers that are now retired, veterans, veterans. And they were saying how, you know, so one of them was saying how he stays off of Twitter because he doesn't want to get engaged into that. The other one was saying that he engaged with this person on Twitter come to find out it's a 13 year old boy. You know yeah, what I mean? And 14. Yeah, yeah. Or 14, whatever. But the, the, the point is, is that I know how, how difficult it can be because as a entertainer in even just doing stand up, you get people who seriously tell you whatever they want. And it's not just Twitter. It can be any social media on your Instagram, especially YouTube. Go to YouTube people and check that out. Pull up any video you want. It could be a video about bunnies or flowers and read the comments and somehow there's a race war that starts in the middle in the halfway down and it's insane that a regular joe schmo can just sit back and uh, have a few beers and kick back with his feet up and then have the nerve enough to ridicule another, you know, human, being. another human being yeah exactly yeah, in, like in, in any fashion but especially like somebody like a nascar driver who you know dude you're not in the car you know what I'm saying? You, uh, you're not racing. You're not driving against all these other guys and, and having to go through the whole stress of trying to win a race and trying to keep your team on top, trying to keep your sponsorship up, trying to keep, you know, your paycheck coming in. And that's tough. And here's a guy that can just sit in his couch and just say whatever they want to say. It's, it's pretty frustrating. If you can hear it in my voice, I get a little frustrated. But yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's crazy. But you're right. Kyle Bush went right after them and he went for the throat. And some of them were really funny. <laughs> I saw this post where it was like this crazy photo of this guy who literally was laying on a nasty couch that looked like it had gross things on it and he had a beer in his hand and he was just it he was nasty the couch was nasty and the house was nasty 
And the, it was like a meme and the meme said something to the effect like, this guy is the guy who's leaving those comments, the negative comments. And right. Hopefully you can visualize the way I'm trying to explain it. But these are people who don't have a life. You got to let a lot of the hate roll off. But I just feel like Kyle Bush was at a breaking point where he was like, <laughs> enough is enough. It is what it is. Well, it's a part of NASCAR. And, just- and Kyle Bush doesn't have the greatest history with post-race I- interviews and stuff. Uh, you know, with the whole well, mic drop last year. I mean, it just. Renee, my thing is, is that. First of all, Kyle Bush is entertaining. Yeah, he is. I, I, and I, I agree. Think people take everything he says way too seriously. Like, just calm down. Take a chill <laughs> pill. That's like the old school term from like, I think that was the 90s when people used to say, take yeah, a chill pill. Take a chill pill. But you know what? I'm a big believer that I think Kyle Bush does a lot of this on purpose ju- just to annoy people, uh, just, just to get a rise out of. I really honestly believe sometimes he does it. Just to entertain himself. Well, I love it. I won't say I like it. <laughs> I love, I love it, it because some of the drivers that I won't name or call out, their personalities are interesting. Yeah. They're just like, ask them a question. It's like talking to your refrigerator. I don't know. <laughs> it's so true. That okay. is so true. I don't know where that analysis yeah, came I, from. No, but you're right. Because who talks to the refrigerator? Yeah. Well, somebody does. Well, I'm sure somebody out there does. Okay, moving right along. This particular weekend, I also jumped on another podcast and talked some NASCAR with my main guy, Cliff, from Right Side's only radio racing podcast. We also had Kenny from the Provisional Podcast. You guys know Front Row Kenny. He comes on this show sometimes. And we had Sherwin from PETM Racing Podcast. Oh, Mr. Sherwin. Yeah. And the ironic thing is that I really thought that the podcast was going to be 30 minutes. And I guess when you put (laughs) four people... Oh, and Brandon also, another guy from another podcast was on for the first 15 or so minutes, but he had to get off because he wanted to go watch the NCAA game. Wow, I feel so left out. (laughs) Well, (laughs) I will tell you... I thought we were going to be on for 30 minutes Mm -hmm. and the call went for an hour and 45 minutes. When you put four people on the phone that talk NASCAR, we're going to talk NASCAR. Wow. That's almost two hours of all things NASCAR. Clint Boyer won. You know what? Give me a damn beer. (laughs) I don't even drink beer, but if you guys... (laughs) Watch any other coverage. Clint Boyer, one of the first things he asked for was a beer. Mm, yep. We need to talk about Clint Boyer first and foremost. How about that, Clint Boyer? You know, Tam, you texted me earlier, and you're right. I didn't get to watch the race because I was doing stuff all day. All I remember is getting a text message from you that said in bold letters that your boy, Clint Boyer, messed around and won a race. <laughs> and I immediately pulled over. I had to look up some highlights. I had to, what? I was floored, but I was so happy because we had talked about this so many times that it would be nice to see Clint Boyer back in victory lane soon. And the day has come. And I am just overly whelmed with happiness and joy to see Clint Boyer, his whole team, and then just to see the way his family was there, just to, able to share that moment again with him. It, uh, we're talking about 190 races, Tam. Without a win. 
I think it was like five years and five months or something like that, yep. which is just absolutely bananas. I knew that Clint Boyer hadn't won a race in a while, but I didn't realize it was that long. Yeah. I mean, Jesus. Ooh, I've interviewed Bubba twice, Joey Logano, Jamie McMurray, Dale Jr., Jimmy Johnson, Chase Elliott, Alex Bowman. I've interviewed my share of drivers. Ironically, I'm not that keen on, not not at this point, or what I'm trying to do, because right. I'm really pro-fans. I really want to talk to fans. And because I'm into branding, I've been toying with the idea of maybe trying to interview people that are in marketing, PR, along that lines in the future. But Clint was the only driver that I was like, dude, I have to interview him point blank. And I I wanted to interview Tony and that never happened, but I had to interview Clint Boyer. And thankfully last year Ford made that happen where Clint and I literally just sat outside the trailer, Mm -hmm. the motorhome with two chairs and talked. But saying all that to say, it really was one of the highlights of everything NASCAR for me because Clint, no matter what you think about him, he is just super cool. I mean, I felt like I was putting back some beers in a bar when I was talking (laughs) to him and I don't (laughs) even drink. Yes, you guessed it. Dale Jr. is always getting cheered and Kyle Busch is always the guy that's getting booed. How many, how many, you know, I'm laughing because you know, every race that we go to, and even any race that we don't go to, because you can watch it on TV, but it's amazing how Kyle Busch just over and over again always gets booed, but he he loves it. You know that? Like, he literally, literally lo- loves it. Well, he feeds off the haters. I mean, at the end of the day, I'm so, I'm always just in disbelief that is so much hate for Kyle Busch. Like, how can you hate that guy? Like, he's passionate. Yes. And he's a winner. Like, it's not like he's not backing it up. And to be honest, he doesn't really, how can I say this? Like, what does he actually do to make you hate him? That's what I've been trying to figure out as long as I've been a NASCAR fan. Like, he's not even as boisterous as somebody, like Kevin Harvick tells it like it is. But yet I don't see people hating on him. I mean, I I, I know he has haters, but not like Kyle Busch. <laughs> I'm sure the listeners, as well as myself, we want to know how you do it. How can we have a fantastic weekend every week like you do? <laughs> I'm sure some people just go, man, this guy must have a fantastic life. You're right. I do. The funny thing is, is that I just try to keep myself busy, Tam. I really am living the best moments of my life. And, and here's the secret, Tam, and to all the listeners out there. The secret is, is to grow up very, very early in your life. Like have children before or right out of high school and grow up overnight. Then you can do all the things that you want to do by the time you hit 40. And it's fantastic. Trust me. Yeah. And unfortunately, that's just the state of the of NASCAR right now. It's everything. I mean, I've read a couple of articles and everything's down. Yeah. I mean, I focus mainly on morale, but taking it a step back or a step further, however you want to look at it, you alluded to it. Sales are down. Fan morale is down because they don't know who to vote for. Rules change every week. Then you have the fact that they're not even bringing in the money. Like I read that they are down like almost 8% in revenue. Yeah. And that's huge to a business like that. Yeah. 8% is millions of dollars. (laughs) Yeah. 
Now let's talk about let the NFL go down eight percent. We'll see what yeah. happens. <laughs> That's why they was trying to deal with that whole national anthem stuff. Oh yeah, we see what happened to oh, Papa Joe's. Yeah, the Papa Johns. Papa Johns. Yeah. That's a shame. I don't eat that pizza, so I don't know. It's actually really good. <laughs> I do. You know what? I've had it at the stadium before. I remember their sauce yeah. being very saucy, if you can say that. It was very yeah. red. Mm-hmm. I didn't dislike it. It's just not. Right. When you order at home, it's usually Pizza Hut hey, yeah, or exactly. Domino's. Right. That's just what it is. I actually prefer to buy more authentic type pizza. But saying all that to say, we see how that whole issue. Yeah. It took them out. Yeah. But then you look at something like Weight Watchers where Oprah came in and saved the day and it put them in up. Yeah. Money is down. Fan morale is down. Sponsorship is down. I mean, you had Target jump ship. Mm-hmm. You had. That's right. A target. Target. Lowe's, Lowe's is, jump is jumping ship. ship. Who else is jump ship? And, and we're just going over the there, major there's, ones. There's, yeah. There's, there's one other one that I remember that we talked about. And uh, I was like, whoa. I was like, I don't remember. I, I can't. I I didn't see that one coming. There's one more I know that we're missing, but uh, those those two are are, are yeah, the main ones Subway that we saw. Left I think Subway. That's correct. Yeah, yeah. Well, they right. had the issue with Daniel or something, so they were still. Oh yeah, that's right. For that's a right. Bit. Yeah. It's a lot of major sponsors that have d- jumped ship, yeah. and even more so now things are changing. Yeah, and that's correct. We're gonna get really serious for a moment. I'm gonna share some thoughts of mine. Yeah. I've been contemplating: should we continue this podcast? And one of the reasons that I keep coming to is that we're here for the fans. We're fans first, but we're here for the listeners and the fans. And we fill a void for NASCAR fans that are like us. Right. And it's not necessarily about race, but it was just for the way we like it presented to us. And maybe we were just filling a void ourselves, but not just for them, but for ourselves as well. Yeah, because, you know, sometimes when I watch Fox, I'm like... (laughs) <laughs> I will never, ever, ever let NASCAR live down that they had Donny Osmond. And you think that Donny Osmond is going to attract fans. Unless she was born in the 60s or the 70s, you don't even know who Donny Osmond yeah, is. Yeah, exactly. And even if you were born in the 70s, right. you don't care who Donny Osmond yeah. is. Because the part... No, are they? No, they weren't the Partridge family. See, I don't yeah, even no, know. Yeah, no, that was the completely somebody different. When you start to question why you're doing something, that's not a good thing. Yeah. We have some loyal listeners and loyal fans and friends of the show that we continue to do this for each week because it's not easy recording a podcast and editing it and trying to keep up with the social media and the Twitter and all that. But getting to my point, one of the reasons why we question why we do this is because When we first started this podcast at the very beginning, and and I'm going to speak for myself, not necessarily Renee, but I expected more from NASCAR, Mm -hmm. to be honest. Nobody owes me or Renee anything, but we do a podcast that service a small community or a small portion of NASCAR. We may be small on the plate. You know, we may be a P. As in a, a pea that you eat. Well, I don't know. That's not a good analogy. Yeah. But you know what I'm saying? We may be a <laughs> piece. We may, we may be a grain of rice yeah. on the plate. How about that? And five grains of rice makes a spoonful. Yeah. Or maybe a little bit more. But you guys get where I'm going with this. I just thought that there would be a little bit more. I totally. I, I don't know. But then I look at, like, I made the joke and I was like, even the France family is jumping shit. Yeah. Top 10 from Michigan, my man, Clint Boyer. 
And there he is again, Tam. There he is again. Renee, Clint almost made me want to have a bush beer, and I don't even drink beer. (laughs) I was about to say, wow. Yeah, so Clint Boyer, as everyone knows, was the winner. And uh, Clint Boyer, for the second time, wins a race this year. That I think that's just fantastic for Clint Boyer. And uh, I mean, I know you that's your guy, but I'm like just so happy for him and, and Tony Stewart, man. I, I mean, just to, to see those two guys, like, I don't know about you, Tim, but these guys, it's like they're kids again, like they're young drivers all over again. Everybody was talking about Clint, the race he won earlier, as you mentioned, this is his second win of the season. That race he won earlier this season was a race before the break. Yeah. Even if you look at the weekend, Austin Dillon also won the race, the Xfinity race on Saturday because it was caught because of weather. And he just so happened once again was in front when the weather was caught. I mean, there was much debate about that because some people just do not like Austin and they just think he as one one commenter wrote, he's a lucky SOB. <laughs> I think that is also skills, but I won't debate anybody who wants to just say that because it still takes skills, regardless how much money your granddaddy have and how much opportunity you have. He's won, he's winning, and he has championships. That's he doesn't true. have a cup championship, but he's won on other levels. Right, exactly. We posed a question. It was actually Q4, as in question number four of our chat. Speaking as a fan, Mark Martin had a lot to say about NASCAR. He said, I just don't think making these races more Daytona and Talladega style is the way to go, which is what I just read. He said, I don't have a lot of interest in watching that. We simply asked our Twitter friends, did they agree or disagree? I'll pick three random comments so you guys can. Kind of get an idea of what people had to say. Donnie S, user the dingo dude, he writes, I flogged, as in flogged, F-L-O-G-G-E-D, this topic to death. Totally with Mark Martin here. Keep your restrictor place and pack racing and give me short track mayhem. That's the kind of action I want to see. Hashtag NASCAR. Okay, I'm going to pick another comment from Kobe. Kobe Lambeth, and that's user K-O-B-E-L-A-M-B-E-T-H. He writes, I agree. We only have four true plate races a year in Cup. It's unique because it's not something you see each week. If most of the races use restricted plates, then it becomes watered down. Would Eldora Weekend be special if NASCAR ran a bunch of dirt tracks? Hashtag NASCAR. Okay, I I can go on, but pretty much every single one of the comments starts with, I agree. So it's safe to say NASCAR fans really agree with Mark Martin's comments that, hey, nobody wants to see all that. Hello, Renee. How are you today? (laughs) I am fantastic. (laughs) I don't know where that voice came from, but. I know. You wasn't ready for that one, huh? I wasn't. You got me, though. Oh, you know what? I just thought we would keep the show fresh. I want to excite you. So I gave you my sexy voice. I don't know. Is that... 
<laughs> I don't know. Wait, was that a sexy voice? Or uh, was that it sounded a- more like a librarian. Hey, keep your keep your voice down. You're talking too loud. Kind of voice. <laughs> okay, that's my uh, get with it voice. I don't there you know. Go. Get, get, get with it. <laughs> We don't get too political on this show, so I'm not even going to touch that one way or the other. But Nick Broomberg from Yahoo Sports, who has a tendency to touch on these type of topics, he wrote a long article about it and he actually tweeted about it. And just I don't even want to dissect the article. It is available if you guys want to read it. But he did chime in on Twitter when he posted the article and said, bottom line, I hope Larson's tweet doesn't rekindle the stereotypes that wear the butt of mainstream jokes the last time prominent NASCAR figures opened up on the protest. NASCAR doesn't need Colbert joking about Bubba Wallace getting pulled over again. Again, Nick tackles these type of topics. Not that we don't have an opinion. It's just that that's not what we're here for. We are here as a form of escapism, if that's a word. And we want to stick to NASCAR and keep it light and fun. But just wanted to chime in because that people had something to say. We want to let you guys listen to a few of our diehard friends. Or I don't know. Can you say diehard friends? Well, we'll say diehard fans of the show who happen to be friends. There they you go. have chimed in to let us know who their favorite driver is. And we'll let you guys take a listen to that right now. We had Kenny Lee, user at Front Row Kenny on Twitter. He chimed in with his favorite driver. We also had Justin Sculler, and I always say Justin's name wrong, and I feel bad because he is married to my friend, and it's just one of those last names. It's got, I guess it's kind of like my first name. It's like, what? Because you guys do know Tim is short for something else, but I'm not going <laughs> to tell you guys because you don't need to know that. But Justin's user on Twitter is at J and his last name is spelled S-C-H-U-O-L-E-R. And then the other person who chimed in, and I shouldn't say other person because Cliff is our friend. He's a friend of the show. Cliff is from Right Size Only Radio Racing Podcast. Cliff, username on Twitter, on the Twitter, is at Over the Wall Race. So without further ado, we'll let you guys take a listen to their favorite drivers. Hey, Tim and Renee, it's Kenny. Always love listening to All Turns, No Breaks. Hope you guys are doing well. First off, I just want to say happy Father's Day to my father. He's the one that started this connection with the driver I'm getting ready to tell you guys about. So I'm a big NAS- I'm a big NASCAR fan, as you all know. And Jeff Burton was my favorite driver for a long, long time, all the way up until he retired. As a kid, I grew up watching um, Jeff Burton. Pretty cool to see him win races. Didn't win a championship. Got close a couple times. But, you know, that connection is really thanks to my father, who actually went to high school with Jeff Burton. And that's kind of how our connection got started. And I really became a deep fan of the sport. Love that XI car. That um, purple and black car was one of the best looking cars on the grid every single weekend throughout the 90s. And I definitely got to say it was one of the hallmark moments in my life being a Jeff Burton fan. And ironically enough, 
it kind of led me to what now is somewhat of a career in NASCAR right now. So it's kind of crazy how that works. And I just got a chance to meet Jeff in Daytona last year. So that was a pretty cool moment. But Jeff Burton is definitely one of my favorites. Always will be. Um, he may have not been a championship, a championship contender every single year, but he always gave his all. And it was also always cool to watch a South Boston, Virginia native and somebody that my parents knew and kind of grew up with. And also another thing, my father, his father worked for Jeff Burton's dad. So, you know, the family connection, once again, is probably one of the coolest things. I think it's one of my favorite stories I'm able to tell about um, a driver and the one that I always will have a connection with no matter what. So that's another reason why <laughs> I'm always excited for the NBC portion of the season because I get to hear Jeff Burton still talk and still see him around the sport. So I think that's a really cool deal. And that's kind of why Jeff Burton is my favorite driver. Hey, so my vote for my favorite driver right now is Ryan Blaney. My reason being is he's very old school and this sport still needs some old school drivers in it. Uh, you've also got a lot of other uh, young kids who are very enthusiastic about the sport, who uh, utilize a lot of social media, definitely living in the 21st century, but still have that 20th century attitude. Uh, some of those names come to mind are like Cole Custer, uh, Noah Gragson being big, especially uh, <laughs> definitely being a jokester at times. Um, but overall, across all three series right now, the one that I think is solidified as far as the old school young guy, definitely Ryan Blaney. Uh, he knows how to be quiet, yet work hard and produce. Um, I think that's another huge point of factor that he is old school. Uh, a lot of guys back in the day used to just kind of be quiet, stay, stay shut up kind of thing and work on their cars. If they finish sixth, they want to know why didn't I finish fifth? And that's exactly what Ryan Blaney does. I think it was a great move that he started with the Wood Brothers being very iconic old school team matched perfectly with him. Um, and having him now move over to Penske, I think is another great move. Um, you know, and I think that is going to be a very long term relationship right there. I don't see Ryan Blaney uh, going anywhere else. I think him, Roger Penske, and even the Wood Brothers. Uh, all three of them have a fantastic relationship. I think Ryan Blaney gets along great with his teammates. He fits in well at that organization. And I think that's going to be a very long-term investment for that group. So you better watch out because Ryan Blaney's definitely going to be winning some championships here in the future. Uh, and obviously not just one win at Pocono. Um, he's definitely got a lot more coming in the bag. And who knows if that team definitely finds that switch to get him those couple more spots that he needs, having an average of a top five, top 10 finish almost every weekend. Um, you're going to see him win a couple races this year and be a threat for that championship. So if they can find that switch, he could be that fourth driver to challenge Martin Truex Jr., Kyle Busch, and Kevin Harvick for that championship this year. This is Cliff, and it's no secret that I'm a big Brad Keselowski, Team Penske number two Ford, Miller Lite fan. So it's a, really a good question when you ask people, how they became a fan of a particular driver. And I've always, to be honest with you, mine kind of stems back from uh, Kenseth leaving uh, Roush, which ironically he returns to. Uh, but when he went over to Joe Gibbs Racing, I was looking for a new driver. Matt was kind of wearing me out, wasn't really seeing much forward 
momentum, seen the move over to Gibbs, knew that he was going to be in a much better situation there, but still kind of just kind of lingered in, in his performance. So anyways, my driver, Brad Kozlowski, I chose him uh, after 2012, obviously, after winning the championship, but that's really where I started paying attention to the guy. And where I really started picking up on Brad becoming a favorite of mine was uh, really in his driving style. You know, I'm sure a lot of uh, a lot of people uh, view racing and performance on the track a lot differently, but from what I see, you know, week in and week out, I can kind of pick up on how Brad moves his way through the field, and it's all strategy. Everybody's playing strategy, so there's no exception there, except for the fact that he always comes across very methodical. Everybody rants and raves about the crew chief and driver pair-ups that are out there and how good those are. And Paul Wolf and Brad Kozlowski, I mean, Brad is certainly a much bigger mouthpiece than than Paul Wolf is uh, in social media or online or wherever else you may run across them. But that duo of those two and the risks that they're willing to take in the off-strategy calls that they make at times and how they go about it, and, you know, many times... I think they know that they can't save themselves sometimes, but they're willing to go for it, and I like that. But Brad's very calculated, and there's several drivers out there that I see that kind of are very patient, you know, uh, listening to Brad on the radio at times, you know, you can hear him losing his mud over how the car's handling or whatever, and that certainly probably creates a contentious situation. But Brad, as a driver, I think he's very calculated. He's very patient. He's very methodical. He's, um, I just like to watch the guy to see how he moves through the field and gets himself up front and ultimately wins. That's the driver side of Brad that I appreciate. Then we come over to the personal side. And to me, Brad, you know, exemplifies what I think is good about the sport. There, you know, he's outspoken. He's a leader. He gets himself involved in, in conversations that, you know he cares about where the sport is moving and how he can make an impact considering his role in the sport and that sort of thing and, and using those capabilities to kind of propel and move the sport forward. So I appreciate Brad on uh, that side as well for the impact that he makes on the sport. The final part is just him as a person. You know, I was fortunate enough to shake his hand and, you know, it was kind of a funny thing when I was out at Auto Club and he showed up at my camp spot. But getting to stand there for a few minutes and actually talk to the man about whatever, you know, he was very cordial. We've all seen that, how he reaches out and reacts with his fans on social media and that sort of thing. And we all appreciate that. But it is a big deal. I think fans appreciate that. He's willing to take his time personally, go out, spend time with the fans, just get to know them. You know, obviously his gratefulness towards the armed services and folks that have served our country is huge. You know, pulling the American flag, doing a burnout is huge. I just think all the way around, he's, he's a great guy. Now, is he a Clint Boyer? No. Is he a Kevin Harvick? No. But that's the thing too, is, you know, some of these drivers people are or gravitate towards for all kinds of different reasons. Some could be purely just driving. Some could be purely just attitude, but. I think overall, this is really what, you know, sparks interest for a lot of fans out there is just finding their favorite driver, finding the personality that they most align with and getting behind the message out there in terms of that driver and what they're doing in the sport, whether it's on the track or outside of the track, whether it's their foundations or where they spend their, their time and that sort of thing. So anyways, Brad's my favorite driver. I'm looking forward to hear other people's feedback. Appreciate you guys. 
uh, reaching out to fans out there, trying to get this stuff communicated and, and get some content for your show. It's awesome. Wish you guys the best of luck. I don't think Larson has the dog in him to dump somebody for the win. What do you guys think? I'm going to agree with you. I don't think he has it in him either. Maybe he might find the opportunity when it comes again and then maybe take advantage of it. But if those tables were turned yesterday, I don't see Kyle Larson even remotely trying to do what Kyle Busch did. That's just not his personality. That's just not the way he drives. But it definitely is the way Rowdy drives. It is definitely in Rowdy's personality to do that. And it's definitely in Rowdy's history where he's not going to just wait to another race. He's not going to wait two weeks from now. If you give him the opportunity, just like he had yesterday, he's going to do it right back at you. And he may not start it, but you got dang sure he's going to finish it. Kenny, what do you think? Yeah, I definitely can say the same thing. I don't think Kyle Larson is a guy who is a, I want to say this carefully as possible, not necessarily an intimidator or anything like that. I feel like Kyle Busch is on that kind of level, but Kyle Larson is more of like a timid guy. He'll race you hard, but he's probably not going to get you into the wall. The only reason why that (laughs) happened was because he drove it in so deep and then he got into the back of Kyle Busch, but when Kyle Busch came back, oh, he meant that one. <laughs> that was no love. Oh, that was yeah, no love tap. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. It was almost beautiful to watch. And I was like, it's almost like you saw it coming, but you really didn't go, is this really happening? But you knew it was going to happen. And then when it happened, you were like, why are, why are we surprised? Like, actually, that was fantastic. <laughs> Your girl, Tam, was in Bristol. As in Bristol, the last great Coliseum, the fastest half mile on earth. I think that's the slogan for Bristol. But yeah, I was down at Bristol with the good folks of Kelly Blue Book and Cox Automotive. I had an opportunity to hang out with them for a couple of days. And because Kelly Blue Book was the primary sponsor on the number nine car, as in yes, Chase Elliott. I also got a chance to hang out with Chase Elliott and asked him a few questions. My pick. Yeah. Because you do know I picked Kurt Busch You sure did, Tim. And that was a great pick. Tim, I have to give it to you. I'm sitting there watching this and I'm going, did Kurt Busch just really win this? And Tim picked him. I was like, oh, we got to go to Vegas. (laughs) It is. The truth. How could you? I I won't say he's the show, but he's the show. Like, what are you watching NASCAR for? I know. If you can't enjoy Kyle Busch. He brings motivation. He brings passion. He brings energy. He brings diversity. He brings negativity. He brings everything. Everything that keeps you stuck glued to watching the race. And that's what Kyle Busch brings, whether he's winning or he's not winning. You're either going to be happy for him or you're going to be pissed off at him in this case. That's just the way it is, but that's what NASCAR needs. It it needs Kyle Busch right now. Let's take Kyle Busch out of the equation, and I guarantee you it's not going to be as entertaining as it would be. I, I think you would agree with me on that. We all should agree, and it's just those that can't get past the drama that he had over a decade ago with Dale Earnhardt Jr. I'm not going to say I 100% agree with everything that Kyle Busch does, But I don't really have a problem with anything that that guy does. He's entertainment. And I couldn't imagine a sport without him. People may have said that about Casey Kane, but no, they didn't because 
when Casey Kane's gone, nobody's really going to care. Let's just be 100% honest. The only people that are going to care are his diehard fans. He won't be missed. Carl Edwards was missed. Tony Stewart was missed. Jeff Gordon was missed. Dale Jr. was missed. If Kyle Busch leaves NASCAR today, it will not be the same. Right. I totally Because agree. Martin Truex Jr. is a winner, but he's extra nice. And nobody really, the nice guy, I don't want to say finishes last because clearly he won the championship. But how can I say this? I'm not there for the nice guy. I'm there to see some bumping and running and some grinding and any means necessary. Like Kevin Harvick would be missed because Kevin Harvick brings it. Yeah, totally agree. He brings it. I can go on, but we've already established I like it rough and raw. I want to see emotion. I want to see do what you need to do. If you need to bump somebody out the way, move them out the way, do what you need to do. Get the W. I am doing most excellent, Renee. Guess what? What happened? If you forgot or didn't realize, it's our 100th episode. That is correct. 100 even. Can you believe we actually made it to 100 episodes, Tim? No, because as much as we enjoy talking about NASCAR, it's been a struggle. It has. Sometimes. Because, like, for instance, we're transparent. We're recording this show. It's 5 o'clock in the morning. That is correct. (laughs) (laughs) That's what you call dedication because in reality, I'm just getting back from the Roval and the times just didn't work out because when I got back, it was late. You had to work and so on and so on. This was the only time that we had to record. And what's really crazy about it, Renee's getting ready to go to work at the VA and help some of our veterans out. Yep. And he has taken the time to record this podcast, not for us, but for you, because we are sure you guys want to know our take on all things NASCAR. The last few statements that you made are just absolutely encouraging because uh, what I did want to say before we go into our predictions, Tam, and I want our listeners to really understand where we're coming from, not just from what you just said, but from what I'm getting ready to say, is that I love the fact that you you were able... and notwithstanding the, the, the very last part of your, your statement just a few moments ago, but everything else before that is what I want uh, our listeners to understand what we've experienced personally from some of the, the races that we've gone to over the years together. And even before we started doing this podcast, when uh, I used to just see you randomly at the racetracks, is that it's so nice to kind of go around the racetrack and be a part and see all this experience of people tailgating, uh, grilling, uh, drinking, having a, a wonderful time. And the one thing I noticed about NASCAR fans, they are for, for the most part, from what I've found, very inviting. They're very open and uh, willing for you to stop by and, and talk and whatnot. I think the one thing I love about NASCAR fans is as long as they understand that you're not being condescending to them, you're not trying to make fun of them, you're not trying to mock them in any kind of way, but that they actually find out that you really, really do enjoy the sport itself. You understand the sport itself. Because I remember we've talked about this once before, and I can't remember when, but I know it's been a while back, Tam. We've actually even had fans like maybe even question our ability of knowledge about NASCAR, where you go, okay, 
here's somebody who maybe just doesn't believe that we really actually do love NASCAR. We actually do know NASCAR. So they'll question us about something. And then when we give them an, an answer and then they go, oh, okay, they actually do know NASCAR. That's what I want our listeners to know is that, that we're very passionate about this sport. And just the way that you broke it, you broke it down just a moment ago is actually refreshing to hear, knowing that you went to the Roval. And I wish I could have gone only in the sense of that I love going to these racetracks. And I know a lot of times I don't get to go only because I have so many things on my plate. But I'm glad that you went there and you had a great time. You got to meet Jimmy Johnson's father. You got to meet Alex Bowman's father because those are experiences that I want all of our listeners to experience. And not just meeting people like that, but just in general of going to a race and actually having a great and wonderful time, either with just themselves and their, their significant other or with their family. Thirty-eight weeks is a long, long time. I'm somewhat relieved that the season is over, especially given the fact that it's such a short off season. But I think we had a pretty good season. I don't know how you guys feel about this year. I'll go first, and I'll let Renee chime in. I thought the season was okay. I'm still trying to adjust to not having Uncle Cousin Carl Edwards, Tony Stewart, Dale Jr. We had a I don't want to use the word half-ass part-time season, or we received a half-ass part-time season from Matt Kenseth. No fault of his own, obviously, but I have mixed feelings about the season. It was great to see Chase Elliott finally get not just one, but two wins. And NASCAR, obviously, and we'll jump into that, has a new champ. It was some excitement for a minute with the big three going at it. Kyle Busch was Kyle Busch. I don't know. I just thought if I had to grade the season on a scale of one to 10, I think I would give it a seven. Is that fair? I mean, Renee, what do you think? How do you feel about this season? Well, that's pretty much in the same range that I was going to give it. I was going to give it like a a six, really tell you the truth. (laughs) (laughs) And the only reason why I say that it was only because like, it wasn't like this season was over the top, like awesome or, you know, just wowing or anything like that. Because for the most part, here's pretty much what we got in a nutshell. The big three, which included Harvick, Truex, and Kyle Busch, they just literally overtook the entire season. And I agree with you, Tam, other than Chase Elliott, uh, you know, finally coming through and winning his first race and then some, it really just was all about the big three. So none of the other drivers really stood out other than, like we just said, uh, other than Chase Elliott. So it kind of just made it kind of bland a little bit because you kind of already knew what to expect. Yeah, I just feel like it just wasn't anything memorable. Okay, Joey got threatened by Martin Truex Jr. He said he was going to take him out, possibly. And then there was a little dust up with Eric. But ultimately, I hate to say this, but I feel like we're missing personality or the season didn't have much of a personality. Yeah. That was just kind of my thought. There was nothing memorable, no good rivalries, no good feuds. Nothing really spectacular happened on the track. We forgot Danica raced in the 500, but even I felt like Talladega was lackluster. Kenny, where would you grade it? Chicagoland, I really enjoyed it. Martinsville was a great race just off the top of my head, at least from my memory. I thought the playoffs were pretty good itself. Like you said, same thing with Chase Elliott winning. I wouldn't say it was the best season I've ever watched in my lifetime. I still think 
2011 was my favorite season that I got a chance to witness when Tony Stewart won the championship. I think that was a great season. But for this one, I feel like we had a lot of ups and we had a lot of downs. We had times where it just wasn't as good. Just like you said, there's times where you didn't really have memories. I'd say up until we got to the summer portion, I think that's when things started to change up. It seems like after Chicagoland, everything just started to change as far as what happened on track intensity of the racing i felt like it got better i'm not saying the best but it got better than what most people would have expected so i think a solid six and a half is a decent rating in my opinion i think that's generous <laughs> wow you went lower than i did yeah we did have the roval we forgot about that but even no we did roval, i don't really know if that was enough to take my grade up from a c <laughs> to a b There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. And that's a look back and a listen back to our 2018 season. Hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. And as I like to always say, be kind to each other. And we will see you hopefully later on this year. Yeah, it was a pleasure being on once again with you guys. Always great to do that. Hope all of you have a wonderful 2019. Be blessed and prosper. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for tuning in with Tam and Renee. 